When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yes, hello out there, everyone, and welcome back to None But the Brave, a presentation of Evergreen Podcasts. I am Hal Schwartz, and as always, I'm here with my great buddy, Flynn McLean. And Flynn, we were going to do a follow-up show on our discussion with Warren Zanes, which we loved, and we are still going to do that. But since this podcast aims to cover the major issues being debated in the Springsteen community, and there's no bigger issue at the moment than the static nature of the set list, we decided to throw our own audible into the mix and... What we're going to do tonight is look at the history of the multi-night stands in the reunion era and also talk about fan expectations that have been created, we think, as a result of that. Yeah, this has been a very unusual time in in Bruce history, as we're going to talk about for the previous 20-some-odd years of the reunion era, going back to the March or April of 99, Bruce's played a a lot of multi-night stands. And when we say multi-night, we do mean three or more. Right. Uh, obviously, a lot of two night stands over the course of of the same time period, but but just for the sake of comparison to Dublin, we're going to focus on the on the three and, and more night stands. And this year, it's it's different. For years, Bruce has made it a priority to vary the set from night to night in these longer stands, and it's just not happening now. And it's it's really a bit of a mystery. Yeah, we've been having this whole discussion, of course, since the tour started, and I said numerous times. That with one show per city on the first leg, the sets being similar, it didn't really surprise me, nor was I that concerned with it. But when you get to Dublin, which is exactly what I brought up two months ago, and there are three shows with very little change, to me, that's a completely different situation. Everyone involved with putting on these shows knows that with three shows in a city, many of his fans are going more than once. First of all, we've known that he has long acknowledged that people go to multiple shows He has said stuff like, how many people were here last night? We're going to do different stuff tonight when the crowd cheers. But beyond that, it seemed like in Dublin, he knew what the mission was for night three. He did a lengthy sound check, which included racing in the street, this hard land, ties that bind, and something in the night, something in the night was played. The other three songs were not. And the songs that were sound checked, he obviously thought they were good enough to put on the set list because there they were, but for some reason he skipped them. Also on the set list was Jungle Land. Now that would have made night three, at least in the set list category, one of the best shows of the tour. And as has been pointed out to us, had he actually played Racing in the Street, Backstreets and Jungle Land all in the same show, that would have been the first time since the original River Tour. Oh, well, yeah, that that is something to, to keep in mind. And it would have been... On this tour, three tour debuts plus Jungle Land. That that is basically would have been it would have been, it would have blown people's minds. Uh, obviously, even even if the rest of the show was pretty much exactly the same as as he had, as the previous two. But yeah, we don't know what happened between between the time he wrote the set list and the time that they hit the stage. And as you as you pointed out, Tyza Bine was gonna was gonna open the show, and. 
but it, it didn't. He came out. He didn't. Call, he didn't go into ties. He went into my love, which which he had on the on the at the previous show, and and he he could have had a sense of what the crowd was was like, or what they were anticipating, or what they could what they could do, or even what he could do, or what the what the band was doing on stage. And so I think to me that is the single biggest mystery of of that show in terms of what happened. You know, he said in Helsinki 2012, the show that was released as an archive from the stage, thanks to all you regulars and thanks for making it a lovely summer for us. And we'll see you in a little while. And as we know, the set list that night was pretty bonkers. (laughs) Nobody is saying that he's going to bring out tons of rarities or that's not even what we're talking about here. You can alter the set that he is doing in these multi-night cities in a place like Dublin just by doing some of the classic songs that frankly are missing from the tour. Ties, Racing in the Street, Jungle Land has only been played once. The River has not been played at all this year. And we're, what, about 35 shows in? And the river is a big song in Europe, as we know, bigger there than it was in the United States. So they could very easily mix things up. And a lot of people are probably saying right now, well, what about the narrative? Well, what about the narrative? Bruce has had a narrative on every tour in the reunion era, as we know. The Magic Tour, which was based on a stellar record, had a very compelling narrative about what was going on in the country at the time. And yet that tour... From night to night, sure, there were foundations of the set that were in every show, but he also found a way to mix it up quite effectively, especially in the multi-night stands. And that right now is lacking. Uh, The shows are being performed incredibly well, but we are hearing it from people in Europe. And there was a comment on our Patreon page from Richard, which I think was extremely well thought out. So I'm going to actually read it here. He wrote, I don't think anyone is disputing that for a 73-year-old to still be delivering live shows of almost three hours a night with this level of intensity and energy is remarkable. But fans who bought tickets at high prices a year ago now had every reason to suppose that the nature of the tour, particularly in cities with multiple night shows, would follow what has gone before. Many fans, particularly in Europe, have been traveling based on that expectation. And there's not much in that comment that can be disagreed with. The past 25 years are, are very clear in the pattern. Very much so. I, I can't imagine or I can't I cannot think of a single stand, three night, even two night stand that Bruce has done in the U.S. or, or even Europe prior to 23, where he didn't significantly change the, the show from from night to night. You you had even said or you as you've said many times when he's doing one night per city on, on a tour it's okay to keep it relatively static, but even in Europe in, in 2008, 2009, 12, 13, there are significant changes even in, in one night cities to, to, to another city. And it is, it's bizarre. And so people had Bruce himself set up those expectations. Yes, it's he not, did. It, it's not like we, uh, we are here saying, saying that, Oh, he should do this or he should do that. And, it's no, Bruce himself has done this over the years. As you said, he's acknowledged these fans who travel from, from country to country, city to city. Acknowledging them, he plays different different songs each night. And as you said, we're not we're not expecting to find the deepest cut. We're not I'm not expecting to hear uh the man who got away or stray bullet or or, or broken hearted from the promise. It's just 
shake it up with the river sherry darling uh i'm a rocker cadillac ranch these songs are just these are typical songs that that bruce has played over the course of the last 20 some odd years and he's just he's not switching anything out and it's just very it's just very perplexing and i'm just very surprised and i as i said it's very mystifying for the fans who were there now and the, who, the fans who went to Dublin, again, the shows are excellent. No one is disputing that. But there is a certain value proposition, and I think we're going to see this a little bit more in the United States. As we've commented on, and I took a look at this this morning, Foxborough Night 2, if they've sold 25% of the seats right now, that's a high number because there is a ton of seats that are unsold for that show. Now, how has he sold so many tickets for these shows in the past? He has sold them to a lot of the same people who go to shows and they know they're going to hear earlier in the reunion era, it might be six or eight different songs a night you'd expect to hear. Later on in the reunion era, it's been 15 songs a night in certain cases. The last three night stand prior to Dublin, of course, was the Met Life stand in 2016, where he played over 60 songs in the course of three nights. Now, of course, this show being what it is, we have the numbers. At RDS last week in Dublin, he played 34 songs in three shows, and only two of the songs, night three, were unique to the stand, meaning that they had not been played nights one or two. That is an extremely unusual circumstance, as Flynn has said, for this period of time when the East Street Band has been on tour. Heck, even when uh, he's been by himself on the Devils and Dust and Seeger, he, he he kept changing things up, maybe not to that degree. Actually, he did he did change it up to that degree on Devils and Dust, but not so much on, on, on the Seeger sessions. And yeah, we're looking back at 2012. He did two nights at RDS, 47 songs. Now, 47 different songs across the two nights. Now, obviously... Those shows were significantly longer. I think they were about eight songs longer in general than what he's playing right now. Maybe maybe five to eight, and we get that. But still, that's there's a lots a lot of change from from night to night. As you said, it's almost half the show, and it's very it's very mystifying. Again, I, I can't think of another word, Al. But it's just and it's it's just very very surprising. I, I don't. I, I guess I'm keep coming back to that. I, I don't get it. It's going to be interesting to see as the the shows go on. Here we've got a second show coming up in Paris that'll be tomorrow. We're recording on Sunday night. There's of course three shows coming up in Gothenburg. I guess the question in Europe is: Will it really matter? Because we know the tickets are sold. He is a hot ticket there. There are going to be some disgruntled fans. Uh, We're hearing it on Twitter, and that's one of the reasons why we decided to do this topic. And it's obviously falling on deaf ears right now. Now, I don't want to speculate why this is occurring, because I, even if I did speculate, I honestly don't have a good answer. A lot of people are pointing to age. I don't buy into that at all. It's more of an effort for them to work up material now than it was in the past. All I know is I was at the Newark show last month. Local Hero, which has only been played three times in the last 30 years, was worked up that afternoon and was scorching hot when it opened the show. So the idea that they are having issues working stuff up to me just doesn't compute, especially when we're talking about stuff that has been played regularly over and over again in the last 25 years. Well, and it's also not not just a matter of working up material to play for the first time on the tour that night. 
as as I like to say, he has he had a stretch of ten shows where he he debuted a different song at each one. And where were where were those songs? He, they worked up Saint in the City. They worked up Atlantic City, uh, as you pointed out, Local Hero, and then then L- Lucky Town in, in Belmont, and and Human Touch, the first night in Barcelona. So he could choose. He could select some of those songs and still get the, the same number of changes without having to really work anything new up. And and that's. And that's kind of kind of sitting out there, like, well, why why isn't he dropping Saint in the City in there and 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 removing uh, East Street Shuffle? That's an excellent point. A hungry heart being another one where that's one of his biggest hits of all time. Uh, that could be dropped into the set in the out in the street spot. Certainly, no audience is going to be upset about hearing Hungry Heart. I, I believe that the East Street Band can play Hungry Heart in its sleep. <laughs> so uh, there's got to be an artistic perspective for the reason that the show doesn't change. But a couple of people were going back and forth on Twitter today about this. And one of the points that I made w- from our account was, you know, this is not just Bruce. There are certain artists out there who have been changing their set list for many years. Pearl Jam, Fish. If any of these bands started suddenly playing what is ostensibly the same show from night to night, even in multi-night cities, there would be a considerable outcry. Uh, I think Fish is playing seven or eight nights at the Garden this summer. If if their fans showed up and they were like, okay, we're going to play the same set eight eight times here, people would go bonkers. It's it's unthinkable. This is not just a Springsteen thing. It's just happening that this is what's going on right now. I also don't buy the artistic narrative perspective because, as I said, the narrative on the Magic Tour was equally as compelling. I think I would say, and you would agree, right, that it was actually more compelling than this tour. Absolutely. And he was still able to alter the shows there plenty from night to night and really find a way – that is obviously, I think, the tour we both consider the best of the, of the last 15 years or so. And it is, to use your word, it is quite mystifying because if this is the last time they're around and this is the last time they're seeing the fans in Europe, which there's no evidence of that, but I'm just saying if, doesn't he want to play Jungle Land for these fans? Doesn't he want to play Racing in the Street, The River? These are not insignificant songs. It's not like Flynn and I are sitting here going, play Car Wash and Dollhouse. We're, we're talking about Jungle Land. <laughs> yeah, there's a big difference. As uh, as we as we said earlier, it's not like we want to hear the ultra rare stuff that's maybe never been played and probably heard by only 1% of the people in the stadium. It's why isn't he switching out with with more stuff from from darkness in the river and even born in the USA? I think uh, actually most of the songs on Born in the USA have been played except for like Cover Me. So and Downbound Train, which easily could drop into the show with without without missing a beat. It's just and these are these are important songs as as you said. The river and I mean, even Point Blank hasn't been played on this tour and Hungry Heart. It, it, Hungry Heart has been played, but. The same thing. These are essential catalog songs from him. It's not a greatest hits. I I call it a fan favorite tour, but then you always point out to me how Johnny 99 really isn't a, a fan favorite, but it's still a fan favorite to me, fan favorite tour to me. And it's almost kind of borders on what, what the who and the stones and McCartney have, have done in terms of they have their show. 
they have they're playing these the, the songs that the fans want to hear, and he's and they're just not switching things up. And granted, this, those bands aren't known for changing things up anyway. So uh, if Bruce is joining them, it's that's that would be quite unfortunate, especially as as you said, if this is the last go around. I really have to say I don't fully agree with all of that. For one thing, if he was going to play a show that was going to be played every night, let's say this was the last tour. Let's say they even said, this is the last tour. We've got a set list we've worked up. It's going to be ostensibly the same every night. Certainly this would not be the set. I don't think anyone would pick as effective as I think the set list is. And as much as I enjoyed it seeing it in arenas, if you were really going to do the same set every night, I think, again, you, you've got to have, certainly Jungle Land has got to be in there. To, in my opinion, his greatest live song and really one of the greatest live songs that anyone has ever done. That's a glaring omission at the moment. Uh, and other key songs uh, uh, that we've already pointed out, plus certain key hits that are never played, uh, obviously Streets of Philadelphia, which I don't know how well it would go over in a European stadium, but then you've also got Tunnel of Love, you've got Brilliant Disguise not being played. To me, this is not even really the set, if in fact that's the reason why it's being played. Now, I think it gives a very nice cross-section of his career, but he's been doing that the entire reunion era. If we started going over the sets from some of these shows, they're equally and in fact more effective than this show and still allowed for change. One of the things that's most mysterious to me is that Kitty's Back and East Street Shuffle are played every night when nothing is being played off greetings. He could so easily throw in growing up one night for East Street Shuffle or does this bus stop, which is what alternated with East Street Shuffle in 2012. And the show is, in terms of the narrative, is really not going to change much at all. In fact, growing up, it literally <laughs> defines his narrative, as we know from the Broadway show. And and it, you'd be giving fans a treat. People want to hear growing up. So this is, I saw on one of the boards, and I'm paraphrasing now, but someone said, I've seen two shows and I've really enjoyed them. Am I a bad fan for hoping for a few different songs in my next show? And no, you're not a bad fan. And the fact that people are now being made to feel that they are saying something wrong because they're pointing out the obvious, which is that the shows are not structured for these stands in the same way that they were for the entire period that has led up to this. People should have a right to their opinion. And if you disagree with what we're saying on this show, that's totally fine. You have a right to your opinion as well. But nobody should feel bad because they're hoping for the artist to change a few songs the next time they see him. Well, and it's the artist who has been known to change songs quite frequently, as you said, over the previous 20 some odd years. It's not like we're asking him to parachute out of the sky uh, singing Balboa versus the Earth Slayer to open the next show. But, um, you know, we're just some change, some 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 differences of, of songs that that he has been known to play and wouldn't exactly be a, be a challenge to the band. And those are, it's just so mysterious as, as to why that's why it's not happening. And even, and you and I talked about this as well, even new songs that, that got played just a handful of times in the States, you would think those would go over in Europe quite well because they are actually probably more open 
to Bruce changing than than most Americans are, and that would be burning train. And if I were the priest, I those would be I those would be tremendous additions to the set, and I'm sure the Europeans would love it. I have a quote from him. He spoke to Jim Rotola prior to the ticket sale last May, and he was asked about the set list, and he said, as he had been saying throughout the pandemic, I've already written down a set list, and he said you don't know until you test it out in front of an audience. And then this is a quote. And then because of the way we are, we start switching it up anyway, just to keep it interesting for us. And because we have such a big body of work at this time, close quote. He then goes on to say that he's going to balance it because they have so much new music that he likes that he wants to set the right tone between new and old, which he has obviously done so incredibly effectively over his 50-year career. But he hasn't really accomplished that now. As effective as I thought the set was in the United States, first of all, we have to say that shows in European stadiums are different. This is a fact that he has acknowledged in his own selections over the years. The tunnel tour, the the show shifted radically once he went to Europe and started playing in larger venues. So I get that maybe some of the letter to you material wouldn't work as well there. I don't know if I was the priest would work that well in a European stadium, but I think Burning Train would. Well, it's interesting to note that two of the songs that he's doing from Letter to You, Last Man Standing, I'll See You in My Dreams, he's he's doing acoustic. And if he has enough confidence in those two songs to do them in such a quiet manner, and he feels that they're so important that he's he's putting up uh, translations on the on the big screens in these stadiums, that there's such that integral part of the show, but then nothing, nothing else really from those two albums. Well, we have two other songs and so it's, you have four and then you got one, one from strong survive. And you know, that's another problem <laughs> concern that I certainly have had that 25% of the show is, is from new material and 75% is well, actually mostly pre 1985. And, I don't want to use the phrase, but somebody could could call it a, an oldies act in, in that respect. Well, he is an oldies act. Let's be honest about that. And what's unusual about him is that he has released at the age of 70 some stellar material. And I, really, I'm talking about Western stars and Letter to You specifically. And understandably, the Western stars material doesn't really fit. It certainly doesn't fit, I don't think, in a European stadium. But what did you make of that quote that I just read where he said we start switching it up because we have to keep it interesting for us? And obviously that's part of what has fueled the last 25 years that they themselves had how much fun mixing things up and playing all those songs. They played, I checked today, and I think this is accurate, 260 different songs on the Wrecking Ball Tour. Now that's nuts. (laughs) And nobody, again, is expecting that to happen this year. That's not what we're talking about. Is he less bored now by playing the same show every night? Again, we, we're not, we can't answer. We can only speculate and that probably would not be, be helpful to, to anybody. But I do wonder what change in his mind between this interview with, with Rotola, which I believe was, it must've been early July, if not late June. No, it was in May, it was in May right before the initial sales, I believe for Europe. Okay. Right before yeah. the, when the European tour went on sale. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And what happened between then and, and basically Tampa and, and, and February 1st, even before then, 
if we look at the rehearsal rehearsal reports going back to mid-January, early to mid-January, they pretty much, Bruce brought in that set list and they pretty much have played it every night ever, ever since. And it's, it's, I mean, it's, and it's frustrating to go back and read that. And they, they often, so often they were playing by the seat of their pants. They were, it was like jumping out of an airplane without a parachute. You know, anything can happen. They had, they were all in the moment. Uh, at any time they could pull out just about any song. As you said, they did 260 from between 12 and 13. And, and now there's just, there's just none of that. And that's why I was so excited when I actually saw him mouth the words born in the USA to the band as they started the encore at that second Belmont show. I was like, okay, we're going to be living in the moment here. We're going to be playing something that is kind of an audible, something of an audible. Now, obviously it wasn't, it was on the handwritten set list or the typed up set list, but it felt good. And, and it felt like, okay, we're, we're moving on here. <laughs> we're, we're uh, embracing the, that feeling that we used to have, but really hasn't panned out that way to say the least. Yeah. And something else that someone said to me today about bands playing with passion and how much passion there is in these Eastry performances. And we are not disputing that at all. The point that I made was that many bands play with a huge amount of passion. Certainly any band that fills an arena on a regular basis is playing with a lot of passion. There are a lot of people who don't like Coldplay. They are playing with a huge amount of passion. And, and the, the distinction here is why does the legend of the Eastry band exist? Well, the legend of the Eastry band exists because the performances have been so muscular and Bruce has done so many things that these other bands don't do. That's why they're widely regarded as the greatest live act of all time. And I, I do totally agree with the premise that if you dropped in and went to one show on this tour, you would think it's a great show. I've en thoroughly enjoyed the shows that I've seen on this tour. But having said that, like we quoted Richard from our Patreon page and the other fan the fans are out there. They, especially in Europe, have long followed these tours. They have known what to expect. And this time they aren't getting that. And, and I guess really that's the question. And I think you were just alluding to this. When did they know the show was going to be this similar from night to night? And I doubt it was before the ticket sales, but did they have some kind of obligation to say to people, Hey guys, we know, we, especially in Europe, we've got fans who follow us all over the place. Again, Bruce acknowledged them in Helsinki 2012. He's acknowledged them in many other places. We just want to let you know on this tour, before you buy all these tickets, this tour is going to be a little bit different and it's expect that the show is going to be pretty similar from night to night. I don't know. Is that reasonable? This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. 
Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I do not know. Uh, our friend Stan talked to talked to John Landau after the after the Tampa show the next morning on the in the airport and Landau said, don't expect many changes. And okay, we, we get that one night stands all through, all through the spring. Yeah. No, very, very few changes, but now things are different. Um, yeah. A little heads up would have been nice. That's that Bruce's that Bruce would say, yeah, you know, I know I played a lot of these, a lot of different songs every night uh, from night to night, and I'm just not going to do it this time. I just feel like, this is what I want to say. This is the show I want to play every night and, and maybe change your plans accordingly. I don't know. And I think maybe the Nugs guy should have, should have been given a heads up. All those people who, who, who purchased that, Oh, buy all 31 shows of the spring tour or the U S tour. And then again, the 31 shows in the, in the summer in Europe, get a little heads up that we would be getting 31 different, 31 performances of of basically 20 some hot songs yeah the expectations are reasonable that when you're buying certainly the entire european leg of a bruce springsteen history band tour that the show is not going to be ostensibly the same from night to night and i don't know what they can do about that if i bought the 31 shows on the european tour and and they were rolling in this way the american tour i is a little bit different because again it was one show per city in most of the cases but th- now in europe where it's two nights in most of the cities and three in at least a few of them i certainly would expect when i got the email saying that the latest show arrived that the set list would not be the same as the five previous shows or only off by one or two songs i think and we're going to move on to more positive, our favorite multi-night stance that we've seen in the reunion era. But I think the the thing that on paper bothered me so much about Dublin Night 3 was that, again, there was only two unique songs brought into the show that differed from nights one and two. So Something the Night and Trap were the only songs played in night three that hadn't been played previously in Dublin. And you know, the, again, not taking anything away from the performance or anything, but there's no doubt there were people in Dublin who, based on the prior practice, he had done multi-night stands 2008, 2012, 2016. Oh, and he also did two nights in 2009. And if you'd gone to all those shows, you were justly rewarded. In 2023, entering the shows without any warning, you would have expected the third show to be certainly different from the first two, if not as different as you've gotten in, in those other tours. And that's not what happened. So I, I think now moving forward, we're, we'll have to see if this changes at all. Do you, uh, I don't, do you have any hope that this is going to change now as we get to places like Gothenburg? Uh, for what are we without hope in our hearts? You know, I have to keep going back to that and the hopes that they're still dope and, or the dope that there's still hope. I don't know, man. I mean, he's he's playing MetLife those three shows the last week in August, and if I mean the way it's going, I'm not going to those first two shows. <laughs> we have tickets for the third show, I think, thanks to you. Um, but it's like I don't. I'm not going to feel the need to go to go to the first two nights. I just I'm, I 
we'll have I've seen I saw the show five times. I don't I don't need to see five more performances of Wrecking Ball and Because the Night to be perfectly blunt. And that sounds like that's what I, I would be getting if I went to, to MetLife Stadium. Uh, was it August 30th and September 1st? So it, I'm 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 losing I'm starting to lose hope a little bit to be also to be perfectly honest and I'm Trump but I'm trying to stay positive and I'm still just hoping that's all I can say. Well, look, not much, not, not much room for hope though. We were both there night three of 2016, and I'm going to read what he said exactly because <laughs> yeah, we can talk about I'm using, that. I'm, I'm using his words against him now, uh, as you should. He, he said after they finished. New York City Serenade, he came out and he said, are you ready to gamble with the E Street Band tonight? Tonight, we're going to try to play a bunch of things we didn't play the two other nights. The crowd cheered wildly. And then he said, let's see how we do. And he counted into Blinded by the Light. And as we know, that show, and it, it's an unreasonable expectation. Nobody's expecting 60 plus songs to be played the three nights at MetLife. That's Never going to happen again. First of all, those shows were four hours long. So we want to put this into the proper context. But it's equally as clear if he shows up at MetLife and does three shows that are pretty much identical, especially since he's already played five shows in the area, there's going to be a lot of people complaining. And I can't say that they're not going to have validity to those complaints. At this point, I don't even really want to bring MetLife into it because it's still several months off. But the one thing we know is New Jersey fans attending multiple nights, Bruce Springsteen at the Meadowlands, they are expecting variation from night to night. This is a fact. And this is not only going back to the reunion era, this is going back to the 80s. <laughs> 85. Well, 85, well, yeah, 85, there wasn't that much variety, but in 1984 indoors at the, at Brendan Byrne, there was plenty of variety from night to night, Uh, obviously 92. So something is going to have to give here because the other thing that's lingering out there for me is as far as we understand, he's playing shows in 2024, even in Europe, if the fans think that every show is going to be the same. Are they going to turn out to buy the tickets in the same numbers that they did in 2023? I think in the States, we know the answer is definitely not, because this at least the stadium shows in the States, if he tries to do any in 2024, they depend on repeat goers. Bruce is a very, very popular artist, but he's popular. And I think he's even joked about this. That I have a, you know, I have a medium-sized audience. They all just go to a huge number of shows. His his audience has has dropped over the years because he is seventy three years old and tastes move on to other things. And what he's got is this incredibly loyal audience, especially in the last twenty five years, who's seen an insane number of shows. You know, when people say to us, "How many shows have you seen?" We know people, and it's not just a few people. Because of the number of shows he's played in the New York, New Jersey area, there the, the number of shows people have seen are just crazy. But the shows have been there and, and they've gone. I mean, remember, there were 25 shows alone in New York, New Jersey in 1999-2000. Yeah. And then you look at down to Philly, there were six more and... Yeah, it's that's a lot of shows within a two hour two hour range, 120 mile range, and 
that's what people expect. And I, I'm trying not to do what, what a friend of mine once called premeditated resentment re- regarding the MetLife shows. I'm trying to say, okay, well, let's see what happens and then we'll react. But you're right. There will be a quite an outcry of, of people from people who, and, and it'll be more than what the, what the organization and, the, and their various spokespeople will, would refer to as the internet fanboys. Uh, people like us who we go to a lot of shows and there are a lot of us, as you said, he's not, I don't think that he's selling tickets to 160,000 different people when he, he's when not, he, no when way. he plays MetLife. No, no, that's just not happening. You know, maybe when he did two nights at Belmont or two, if he had done another night at in Newark or even the garden, could he have, could it have been, you know, 40,000 distinct people closer to it, but not 160,000 at MetLife is no, that's not distinct. That's you got a lot of repeat customers, and yeah, the history has said. I mean, even going back to 2012, look at those last two shows where he just came out both nights and was just and and was like tour debut after tour debut, and it was especially that the waiting on the end of the world. It was that was amazing. It was uh, I was like, what the where the hell did that come from? And at at this point, I don't see any similar moments happening this year. We had heard at all the way back to 99, I remember the 15 nights at the arena, we had heard before the stand, he had basically mapped out a lot of what he wanted to do there and that they knew that they were going to bring certain songs back into the show. And that was obviously different because there were so many songs played that hadn't been played in a quarter century. And it was really something to behold. But Again, it's about fan expectations, and that's why we wanted to have this discussion. We've read some quotes from some of the fans in Europe. That's not our words. That's theirs. And what people are experiencing right now, because they are thrown for a little bit of a loop. Again, Bruce has created the expectations by doing what he has done, which is cater to the fact that a decent section of his audience goes to see multiple shows. It's very, very strange the way that the European tour is developing at the moment. Now, look, it could change at any moment. <laughs> I, I think we're, as Flynn said, what are we without hope in our hearts? It, you know, we've got friends who are going to sit in Gothenburg for eight days and because there's three shows there. And Gothenburg is this mythical place in Springsteen lore. Look at what happened in 2012 on the show that was released as an archive, a phenomenal show. And the presumption is people are going to set camp in Gothenburg. They're going to go to three shows. They're going to be completely different. And that's clearly not going to be the case this year. I think we can say for sure that Gothenburg is not going to be three totally different shows. The hope now would be that there's a certain segment of material that is brought in for shows two and three in Gothenburg. And that still seems very possible. But definitely it it is a change from what the people who followed him around in Europe have experienced over the past 25 years. I want to emphasize what you said about Bruce has himself has created these expectations. He's been making a a very valid, very strong and successful effort at making these multi-night stands, even two night stands to have distinct shows between between the two or, or more nights. Because he knows there are so many repeat customers out there. He even once thanked the European fans at, in New Jersey. I always thought that was, that was really wild, that so many fans from Europe came over to, to see the shows. I think this was in 2003. 
and he ended up thanking them. This just so he knows people drop travel long distances to see his shows and and he wants to he wants he wanted to anyway reward them with with something unique at, at every show and uh, uh look at wages good this year <laughs> wages of sin in 2013 which is probably the biggest rarity that he has been played so far <laughs> at certainly one of them was the top maybe but yeah because of one of those fans i fully understand we're not going to hear ultra rarities on this tour it doesn't bother me at all in fact i've already gotten a bigger rarity with local hero than i expected to see in 2023 but i i I really do hope that more of an effort is going to be made to make at least the multi-night stands distinct and i believe based on what I've seen, Bruce is in phenomenal shape for a man of his age. I, I don't think this is about that he's incapable of doing it again in Dublin. He could have been in his hotel room last Tuesday afternoon lounging around. Instead, they did a lengthy sound check. There's something else going on here why those sh- songs didn't come into the show, even though they made the set list. We Frankly, I don't think we'll ever know exactly what it is, but I I just hope that they put some consideration into the fact that they did sell the tickets well in advance of the tour when the expectations were based on what had happened previously and also what Bruce had said to Rotolo, which, you know, was said in conjunction with juicing the ticket sales. (laughs) Maybe that's what he all he was doing, and he already had had the intent to play the same show or the majority. No, of the I don't. I, I I don't believe that at all. I okay, I don't believe well, that he went out there and said I'm going to be playing different shows because it's interesting for us with the intent of snowing people. That that I I feel probably <laughs> is not the case. Well, as one of our Patreon subscribers would totally point out to you right now, he also called into E Street Radio and said, "Yeah, we're going to be playing some of the River outtakes on the tour," and you saw how well. That worked out. So, <laughs> uh, well, you know, I'm not putting it sh- past them, but something did th- something did change. Whether it happened the day before tickets went on sale, or 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 a month before the tour started, but there was definitely a shift, and we're not going to know what what that was until we can actually talk to them ourselves. Those are two different issues for me, though. The river outtakes thing, while annoying that he said that and didn't follow through on it. That was the type of thing. He was already playing a record full of songs that a lot of the fans weren't going to be familiar with. And then to throw more outtakes in there, I think he just said, that's a bridge too far. And and I don't have a problem with that. But, the, still, he, but he said it. Though. He, he did say it. He, he did, did say it. Say it. He did and say he it. Didn't, he didn't follow through. So no, that, he did how not. is this any different? Well, this is different because I think that that was speaking to rarities, which outtakes are a certain aspect of a show. And and I treat that differently than saying, okay, we're never going to play. We've got the set of songs we've got, and the river is never going to be played. <laughs> Jungle Land is going to be played one time or or not at all in Europe. And and Racing the Street is not going to be played. And, and though that's much different than talking about river outtakes. We are talking about core songs. And I think just based on the way he has done these shows for the last 25 years, the the way to present it, especially if this is getting towards the end, if not the end, in Dublin, I think that the, the, the three shows, forget about rarities, the shows should have been 
the structure mainly with the narrative, but then each night putting in some of those very key songs so your fans get a chance to see the songs they know and love. I, the, the one thing when you were talking about the Stones and other bands like that, you know, again, I, it, this is not the set that I would make up. If he, if someone came to me and said, and we actually, this might be a fun topic for a show, make up a, he's playing the same set every night, make up a greatest hit set, which will include his biggest songs and war horses. Many of them are not in the show. So at least parcel them out over the three nights so that the fans are seeing the material that really, really they love. Well, I could also argue that, and this is a thought I actually had a, a few weeks ago is that this show does have pretty much the core core songs of, of, of what attracted many, many people to his music. You got four songs off darkness, particularly badlands promised land and prove it you got the all the songs up born to run uh, thunder road born to run backstreets obviously uh she's the one and and then even and then even born in the usa with uh with glory days and dancing in the dark those are very key songs in terms of they people are who were who were 14 15 16 years old when at that time and so he he kind of is checking a lot of those boxes in terms of the songs that really I... really you know, hit people the right way to turn them into, to these uh, uh, kind of these huge fans when they were just in their, in their teens. I agree with what you're saying for the most part, but now I know exactly how to phrase it. If someone came to me and said, make up a set list called the definitive Bruce Springsteen, the river jungle land, they would both be in the show for sure. Uh, I would certainly, if allowed to change from night to night, racing the street would have to be in the show a decent amount of the time, hungry heart. So I, I get what you're saying. And I do think it's certainly not off the mark, but he's also leaving out a lot of songs that mean a lot to people. And well, I, I mean, I, I agree with you. And, and, and it, and it is very bizarre that as you, as you pointed out, the river, the song has not been played at all this year. Whereas Johnny 99 and pay me my money town, I've become, I've become regulars in the set. Yeah, and we've made this point before. I, I think it may have upset some people. Nobody is paying to go to the show to see Pay Me My Money Down. Now, you could say that about a lot of songs, but that is not an essential song in the show. I don't really even think it works that well, the narrative. Now, as you are aware, I'm not really a believer in the whole <laughs> Pay Me My Money Down thing is tied to the tickets. Oh, I thought you were going to say you're, just, you're but, just not a fan of the Seeger sections. Oh, no, no, that too, but... <laughs> There are a lot of people out there who believe that the performance of that song is 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 how would we put it uh, aggravating the to them. Yeah, the I, I don't I don't buy that at all. But I've seen it from enough people, a lot of people, in mm-hmm. fact, so that it is out there, and we have to acknowledge that that's out there, whether I agree with it or not. That's that's been to me. That's been one of the more mystifying ones because he already is highlighting the horns on on Kitty's back and. And I don't, and even, and the vocalists, they're certainly all there on night shift, particularly Curtis King. So I'm not really sure what he's doing with that one, but that's, that's me. Yeah. So, all right, let's get off of this and we will just together hope, as I think many of our listeners are, that at least for the multi-night stands, there's going to be a break here and that the repertoire is going to expand somewhat. And to end on a high note, I thought it might be fun if we talked about 
our favorite multi-night stands <laughs> of the reunion era and even before the reunion era if we want, because certainly the 92 Meadowland stand means a lot to me. But I, I'm guessing we have the same favorite multi-night <laughs> stand we've ever attended, and yes. that was the Garden 2000. Oh, absolutely. Every every night had, had something different. Every night had a, a particular set list nugget in there that, that that made it all worthwhile. And of course, they were playing at such a high level. That tour had, had the highest number of every-nighters uh, than, than any other tour in the reunion era, at least until 23. And yeah, there was a lot of every-nighters, but it was they were playing at such a high level. They were amazing. And and of course, the debut of the new material, uh, Code of Silence, Another Thin Line, then obviously Further, and of course, the big one that came out in Atlanta that changed the entire tenor of uh, of the Garden Stand, American Skin. It just, it was, uh, it became one of the more important stands of, of his career at, at that time. Yeah, I wasn't there for the first night, which I know was a very compelling show, and should they ever return to the Archive series, I think would be an interesting selection. But even from when I got there, when it had died down a little bit, the controversy about American skin, there was such an electricity to those shows. Now you, and that's the case at most Springsteen garden shows, but that year they they were already at such a high level of performance, as you just said, and the way he mixed the show up and, and the songs he brought in and, and at the, the debut of the new songs. It was, it's the type of stand that we have not experienced since. And I probably will never again. Now I know he did 10 nights at giant stadium in 2003, but that was a very different type of stand than to, to the garden. Yeah. I, I was thinking about that one earlier and it didn't, it really paled Jer- Jersey. Oh, three really, really paled in comparison to, uh, to the garden 2000. It just didn't have the same, didn't have the same feel maybe because it wasn't a tour ending kind of, kind of run. And, and maybe when they splitting him up, you had seven nights in July and then you had three more at the end of August. And I will say that those last two shows in August, August 30th and 31st were among my favorite of, of that tour. So I, it kind of makes a comeback there, but in terms of the overall 10 shows or the entire run, it just, the garden gets it, gets it every time. Yeah. And I, well, I attended, I think it was four or five of those shows. I didn't see either of the last two shows. So I missed out on the shows that everyone thinks were the best of that stand. It it was a bit of an odd stand, uh, the 2003 rising tour at the Meadowlands, because it was split up into two parts. There were seven shows in July and then three shows in August, which killed some of the momentum the July shows, there was the night where the crowd really sort of got off kilter to the point that he admonished them at the start of the encore. July 26th. July 26th, yes. So yeah, that, you also had the rain night. How did that one go over? Well, the rain night was one of my favorite shows, okay. certainly of that year, because that was a crazy night, the way that that sky opened. You're, I was supposed to go with your lovely wife and she refused to go because <laughs> it was going to rain so hard. And I, I was like, well, I'm going anyway. And man, it, it the heavens opened up that night. That's the kind of thing. And it would be interesting to see if that happened in 2023, how we'd react to it, because that's the kind of thing that Bruce has been so amazing his entire career where something unexpected happens 
and he runs with it. And it makes the show so much fun and <laughs> so compelling because what happened that night was he, it was so people got so soaked and, and it was chilly out. And he basically said, okay, I'm going to junk the set for, and, and started playing. Uh, I, I think he was a Cadillac ranch. I don't remember off the top of my head. We'd have to go to Bruce space, but it, it was so much fun. And, you know, that it, it will be interesting to see if something like that happens at the Meadowlands. You know, that, that happened again in 2012. I wasn't there, but I know you were stuck in the tunnel night three when it, it, there was lightning and all the stuff. And what time did the show start at 1030? Yes. The, the final night at MetLife in 12, uh, September 22nd. So it went into his birthday. So that kind of, that kind of added it as well. That's one of my favorite shows to listen to of the ones that I didn't attend. <laughs> Absolutely. I love, I love that show. Uh, my, my wife again, was was not a big fan. Me, huge fan. Um, that, but of course, the rain coming down was one of the reasons that people talk about the, that Milano 2003 show as well, the one that ended the uh, the European leg. And people speak very highly of that one, even though we look at it on paper and it's, you know, the set list ain't exactly out, out of the world, out of this world, except for follow that dream as I'm looking as I'm looking at Bruce Space now. But it, apparently the the rain brought out something special in him and it just he just went with it. And now another natural phenomenon that really contributed to a show if we go back to 2003 again the philadelphia stand the three nights he did and that last night there was a full moon and he and steve went went crazy during during ramrod howling at the moon literally and that's that would be another candidate for me for one of the one of my more favorite uh three night stands of of the last 20 some odd years See, I missed that one, and they were so good at the end of the Rising Tour. Of course, one of my favorite three-night stands or longer is the Shea Stadium exactly, stand that ended yeah. the Rising Tour. And not just just throw out numbers, but the incredible thing about that stand at Shea, after an incredibly long tour, the last three nights at Shea, 12 tour premieres, and stuff was coming out. He, and again, he knew he had played 10 shows at 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 Giant Stadium. He had played all sorts of arena shows in the area. He had played the Philly Stadium shows. And, and he knew what the mission was. And and those three nights at Shea, they were really unique shows. There was a lot of 92 material played. Man's Job was premiered for the first time with the E Street Band. Souls of the Departed opened the first show. And and the, the closing night, which of course also included the... I don't know how we could described the Dylan appearance. <laughs> it was, uh, it was interesting. It was Let's interesting, just, yeah. yeah. But that was one hell of a show. And, you know, these are the magical moments. I mean, these stands have provided for so many fans in, especially in the New York, New Jersey area, memories of a lifetime. And, it's just looking back on it now, it's, it's, it's really something to behold that he was able to take over, especially the stadiums playing multiple nights and, 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 and coming up with shows that were so compelling because each of the three Shea shows really had a different feel. Oh, yes, they did. That first night people consider the political night between souls that have departed and who'll stop the rain, American skin. And uh, and then the, the second night was people always viewed that one as the intense night because it opened with roulette into Candy's room, which was an amazing two shot double shot to, to op- open the uh, open the show. And it also includes Souls of the Departed. 
That's, and then the third night, I don't know what you call the third night, except just one of the best shows I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah. The third night was phenomenal. There, the, there was a version of Tunnel of Love that third night. I, every time I think about it, the Nil solo, it, it was it, it was so stunning, the entire song. And, and of course, that is a hit song that did not, okay. never gets played. And it's it just getting back to this tour a little bit, and we've said it before, if Because the Night is in the show to highlight Nils, which is fair enough, there are numerous other songs that Nils kills on that could give Because the Night a break on a multi-night stand. But I, I guess we've talked about that enough. The other th- stand that I really want to mention is Staples 99, which of course the fourth night is an archive release. That was another stand. There was The circumstances were strange. He was opening the building. The first night was really problematic getting people into that building. The whole scene was a mess. And then he clearly was turned off by the procedure getting people into the building, what he saw when he took the stage and all the luxury boxes. As we know, he made many caustic remarks about it and in fact, never played another show there again (laughs) since that time. But man, especially the third and fourth shows, really magnificent stuff. And nobody was surprised when they released the fourth show as an archive. And in fact, we wrote the review for Backstreet's of that one. And, and that is one of the great shows to listen to ever. Oh, absolutely. I, I mean, I wasn't there, but the take them and then certainly the, uh, the, the, uh, the promise and, and the full band incident, I can listen to those over and over again. And, and they were on during, during that five pack. Just love that one. Now, uh, unfortunately it's, I think since 2003, there really haven't been that many three night stands. Certainly, no. I think five nights at the at Giant Stadium in two thousand nine was it. At least in terms of more than three. I think we there have been several three night stands. I should say, including one in Dublin last week. But more than three is real has been extremely yeah. rare. Well, and there was a great three night stand besides the MetLife shows in twenty sixteen because he did three nights to close the sports arena here, and the second and third show in particular. Those shows were. They were classic. Uh, people are still talking about them in L.A. And he really brought something, especially the first night at that stand. I was sort of like, he seems tired and he I think the show needs a little spark. And then they came out the second night and and you can listen to the release of that show. I, I felt that the second night was the best full performance of the River record, except for, of course, the first one at the Garden. And he, he found the way, even though that those shows had obviously such a huge chunk of it that were fixed because of the album performance. He said the, the second night was St. Patrick's day. He did death to my hometown in American land. And then the third night, he really mixed up the post album portion uh, opening, not with Badlands, which he had done at a lot of the shows, but opening that section of the show would prove it all night. And to my love, and then at the Badlands, he did tougher than the rest that night, which is, I think the only time I've seen tougher than the rest with the band in like the last 20 years or so, <laughs> those were just really great shows. So we just wanted to talk about some of the examples that there have been. And, and of course, dating back to before the reunion era, uh, the, there are people screaming at us. They were at <laughs> the Spectrum in 1980 or 1981 and, or Brendan Byrne, the opening of the arena in 81. These are all classic moments in the, in the Springsteen canon. And 
I just, I, I certainly hope when we look back at 2023, we feel the same strong feelings about it as we do even the, some of the more recent shows like in 2016. Yeah. I was thinking, yeah, there's always been a discussion about greatest multi-night stand uh, of Bruce's career. And there's always Boston 77, the bottom line 75. And uh, I think, I think the 84 Brendan Burns is, is, is pretty amazing for that. May, that may be the top in terms of pre 99 stands for me. And of course, because it's pre 99, it may be the best one ever. I just love listening to those shows. We have four of them from the from the uh, from the Nugs releases, and I really need to kind of go back and reappreciate them, listen to them some more. But, so, yeah, of course, so that, that was that, the first. I'm sorry, go ahead. So yeah, that that to me, that's number one. Yeah, of course, that was the first time I ever saw Bruce that stand. So that has <laughs> meaning that I can't even really put into words. Exactly. Exactly. All right. Hey, well, man, let, I, let, hey, let's shout out to the Garden eighty eight. Not a lot of changes, but uh, some help. They were well, some great shows. <laughs> I, I was not there, but the crying, holy crap! Uh, that one crossed the borderline. All of them. Anyway. Lonely teardrops. There you go, New York, New York. <laughs> All right. So we we set our piece on the multi night stands. We're going to come back next time and continue the story of Nebraska. We want to talk about the legend of electric Nebraska. And uh, Warren said something very, very interesting, which we will repeat the next time for people to hear again about why Bruce felt that the Nebraska songs did not work with the band. Uh, Truly, I I wanted, for me, the the discussion we had with him was just, uh, it was really a high point for me. Yeah, it was was phenomenal. And, And that to me was the most incredible moment of it uh, <laughs> to, to to what we heard from him there it just was really fantastic stuff so we we do want to come back to that and and we do appreciate everyone who has written to us or posted on our board or on Twitter, wherever, saying how much uh, there have been people who have written to me and saying, I've listened to that episode now three times. And, wow. uh, you know, that just it blows me away. So uh, we, we do really appreciate it. Oh, absolutely. And we could have talked to him for another two more hours. And, and of course the, what he, what he said, and actually it's in the book about why Bruce felt election Nebraska wasn't working is brings up some more questions, which we will, we will ask and discuss and probably never answer (laughs) during our next episode. We'll we'll, we'll try to answer them. We won't have the definitive answer because we'll we'll need Bruce for that. That's what, that's what I meant. We'll never have the definitive answer to some of those questions, but we will discuss them and see what the possible answers could be. All right. Well, here we go. None But the Brave is produced by Bull Market Entertainment, presented by Evergreen Podcasts. On Twitter, we're at MBTB Podcast. Check out our Patreon page, which is patreon.com slash MBTB Podcast. So for Hal Schwartz, I'm Flynn McLean saying thanks for listening and we'll see you for the one up the road. Thank you so much. We'll be seeing you. Hello, Tom May here, host of Future Friday. I've spent the last 15 years on the road with my band, The Menzingers, where I've met all kinds of wild and fascinating people. So I started a podcast. On Future Friday, I talked to fellow musicians about the moments that made them, their passions outside of music, and the curiosities that tie us all together. I've also talked to the likes of UFO researchers, magicians, soldiers, and documentary filmmakers, and I'm constantly searching for folks that can shape and change our view of the world. You can check out Future Friday wherever you like.